Hello and welcome to another installment of the BNP Paribas Wealth Management Weekly Podcast. I am Edmund Shing, Chief Investment Officer and your host for this podcast. Today, I welcome my colleague Stefan Kemper, who is based in Germany. What are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about an interesting sustainable topic, that of water. Now, as you, some of you may know, at BNP Paribas Wealth Management, we are very keen on environmental, social and governance topics, those ESG and sustainable topics in terms of uh, long-term investment. A lot of these thematics have actually suffered this year because they're quite growth-oriented in nature and growth-oriented stocks and themes have performed particularly poorly since the beginning of 2022. There is one sustainable theme that has done quite well, actually, and actually held up much better than the rest of the equity market during this period, and that is water. So water, as we know, is an essential. We know that uh, it's a fairly scarce resource. And what's more important, it's becoming, if anything, even scarcer. So first of all, Stefan, hello. And then my question to you is, well, since over 70% of the world's surface is covered with water, how is it possible that we can talk about water scarcity and that becomes it's becoming an even bigger problem today? How is that possible? Ayat, you know, it's because of 97.5% of the world's water is indeed saline water that is totally unusable for drinking or farming. So only the 2.5% are suitable for human nutrition, if you like. But, and this is another problem, most of those reservoirs are stored in glaciers, the snow on top of the mountains, the Alps, or in the Arctic ice shield. So while this is indeed fresh water, it's still not accessible. However, in the end of the day, only 0.3% of all water on Earth is indeed usable fresh water that we as, hu we as humans can use and uh, work with. Okay, so... Look, humans have been around a long time. Uh, we seem to have, we seem to have survived quite well so far. So, why is water availability or freshwater availability suddenly becoming such an issue now? Well, the thing here is that uh, we have to look at two sides when we talk about water. The one thing is consumption, how we're using it, and the other thing is supply how those natural resources are refreshed and uh, on the consumption side we had an exponential growth in populations which increases the need for water in general and at the same time the whole thing is turbocharged by rising levels of wells which in turn is then changing the patterns of water consumptions you know we want to take more regular showers we consume more water intense food so on and so forth uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. And at the same time, on the supply uh, side, we have climate change and shifting weather patterns that are making the distribution of rain less predictable, as I think is evidenced by the increase in both the devastating floods and droughts that we uh, observe around the world. So therefore, those are events that are expected to grow and make it even more difficult to uh, source water where it's needed. So this sounds pretty, pretty catastrophic. And I guess that's why these are the re main reasons why water has been explicitly cited in two of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, so-called SDGs, specifically goal number six, which is dedicated access to fresh water, and goal number 12, which is related to the transition towards a circular economy. So could you give us a little bit more detail on how and why water 
is included in these two development goals? Yes, sure. I think the United Nations did rightly so in putting water as part of their SDGs, because it's really a crucial element when it comes down to securing the ability of producing food and feeding populations. And I think this is also one of the key reasons why we included water in our most recent investment theme update when we looked at security. So we were talking about food security in this respect. And I think this is a topic that shouldn't be underestimated. On a global scale, almost 800 million people are lagging basic drinking water services as we speak, and this number is even rising on a daily basis. But aside from those direct humanitarian aspects of lack of drinking water, we also observe increasing geopolitical tensions, even lethal military confrontations around the excess of water. And therefore, I think this is, this is all the main reasons why it's so important to make sure that we get as much and as good as an excess to, to water as possible to as many people as we can. Okay, so you've outlined the problem. Now we need to address the solution. What in your eyes are the obvious solutions that we can put in place and that we need to invest in in order to address this problem and to improve the situation? First and foremost, addressing those issues will require significant capital investments in both new technologies and services. But also, and this was quite shocking when I, when I realized those numbers when I was preparing this, this piece today, is that we need to spend more in order to get our infrastructure in order. So for instance, the average estimated water loss in piping systems around the world is really devastatingly high. In the US, it's an average 16%. So 16% of water in the piping system isn't reaching the whole, so it's just getting lost. In some systems and areas, it's even more than 30%. And in Europe, this number stands around at around 23%. So it's really a lot of water that we are just losing because the pipe system isn't working. The other thing is we should think about making more efficient use of water when we use water and uh, especially agricultural activities are providing a high leverage here as they are standing for roughly 70% of the yearly global water consumption. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. Obviously, you can try to become more effective in, uh, more effective in terms of farming, such as vertical farming, which can reduce water usage by a half already, or we change the way we uh, feed ourselves. We, we, look at, um, we look at food. For instance, if we take milk as, as an example, it takes roughly 630 liters of water to produce just one liter of milk. Or when we look at red meat itself, it takes roughly 15,000 liters per kilogram of red meat. And this is really, really huge, which can easy be easily replaced by other things of, of nutrition, which are just much less water intense but the absolute top and this is a number i just need to share with our audience is is cacao it's the most water intense thing on earth that we have it's twenty thousand liters per kilogram that goes into the production of cacao so next time when you have a bite of chocolate you should probably really enjoy it so now you've depressed me because as you've mentioned some of the most uh, water intensive foods are things like cocoa and coffee and those are two as you said yeah. chocolate and coffee are two of my favorites so you've depressed me already you're trying to make me feel guilty i would add another thing of course which you 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 didn't mention but you you could well have which is of course clothing because of course even to produce things like cotton and cotton clothing takes an inordinate amount of fresh water to produce this uh, 
clothing. So again, a good reason to hit on the circular economy and maybe to think about buying secondhand clothes as, as opposed to always buying new, new, new. And that would also, as just as you pointed out with agriculture, with that uh, clothing as well, you would also reduce water usage. So, so we've got some solutions in there, fixing your water system, reducing water usage in agriculture, making more efficient use. So from an investment perspective, where's the money to be made here? When we talk about water, how do we invest in this theme? Well, the good news is there's really a wide range of funds and ETFs looking at the theme. You can choose from products which really have a focus on, on, on water with a very broad solution, a broad approach, or you, you drill down into more concentrated exposure, just as um, the circular economy, as you were mentioning, or agriculture, future of food. There are a lot of things which at least interconnected with water. But if we take a step back and really go to those traditional water-focused themes, which are uh, which are then really looking at uh, utilities and, and, and stuff, they have usually have a bit of a quality value angle, which indeed also helped already to, to outperform. And uh, they often offer attractive dividend yields and are also less influenced by the economic cycle. And this is a special angle that I think makes this topic so interesting for investors those days. Absolutely, Stefan. And one thing I would point out to listeners is that over the last 10 plus years, investing in water has actually outperformed the global stock market indices and at lower levels of risk. So actually, on a risk adjusted basis, it has indeed been a very attractive long term investment that has outperformed over the over the medium to long term. So and as you've said, Stefan, there's no reason why we should not expect that outperformance to continue going forwards, given the drivers you've outlined. Thank you very much, uh, Stefan, for your contribution today. And to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to this BNP Paribas Wealth Management podcast. Please do like, share and subscribe this podcast. And for more podcasts from us, please search on your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Podcast, Spotify or Podcast Addict, searching for the term BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Thanks for listening and talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.